the Get Real Indie Filmcast with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. I have a problem. Um, I fully recognize that my microphone is uh, not the best, and uh, I have a problem getting too close to the mic. And uh, so a lot of times what I say on the podcast is uh, it has peaking problems, and audio people will know what that means. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm doing the best I can here. Yeah, well, you know what you need? You need a, a windscreen. Just You put that on there, and then when you put it far enough away from your microphone where it doesn't happen, and it won't happen anyhow, a windscreen will prevent plosives. Plosives, that, that's what it is. An audio guy will know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, the problem is I'm using a, a shotgun microphone to do a podcast, and that's probably not the best choice. It's not but, bad. Uh, it's not bad. Just put a, uh, seriously, put a windscreen on it, you know, a couple inches away, because you don't need to be on top of a shotgun mic anyhow. You can have it yeah, far enough yeah. away from you. And there's always a just a natural tendency for anybody just to lean toward the mic. Yeah. And it's hard to break that. Mm-hmm. Especially from somebody that's been in radio where... In the old days, you would you almost eat the microphone. Uh-uh, not, <laughs> is, is... not this guy. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Because uh, yeah. they get, you go into some stations and the mics are so dirty because they're like, people yeah. are eating and then they're like, their mouth is on I'm like, ah. <laughs> That's I, disgusting. I, the station I work at still, uh, they have, they actually have a, a windscreen and somebody's talking right up to the windscreen and there was garbage all in it. I took, I had to take the thing off last week. And bring it into the bathroom and wash it because it was like, oh, I don't want to look at this for the next three hours. Oh my god! So there's my windscreen story. But I, you, you do <laughs> not need to eat the mic, and a lot of a lot of radio guys do. Welcome to the show, by the way. And you can tweet us at Borges Film or email info at borges.com. On the show today is Diane Bell. Now, uh, so if you're, uh, you know, if you've got a script, and this is what Diane teaches in her workshops, and this is what makes her so inspiring is that if you've got a script, it's it's past time to try to get somebody else to produce it. Right. You can do it. You can you can produce it yourself. And she tells you how to do that. And, and one of the big steps is to find a line producer. And we're going to ask her about uh, how to find somebody. And that's what she says is the key, is after you have a script and after you set a deadline for yourself, is to bring somebody in called a line producer that will uh, that will uh, make a budget and uh, so then you'll know exactly how much money you need to raise. And she tells you how to do it. Line producer is one of those things that when you see it go by at the end of a movie, you're like, I don't know what that is. Her first film was made for less than $150,000, which that sounds like a lot to mm, some of us, yeah. but that's pretty low and compared to uh, some of you know the big budget indie films. Uh, was screened at Sundance, by the way. So uh, she's helping everybody else do the same thing. <laughs> Diane, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about your book, Shoot from the Heart. You've broken down the process of making a film from start to finish um, into 16 steps. Um, can we briefly just kind of touch upon each step? Yeah, sure. So basically, when I first had this idea, and it started really as a workshop, not a book, um, I really wanted to share how to make a film successfully from start to finish, like how to develop it, 
how to raise the finance for it, how, you know, what you should do in production that really gives you the best chance at success. And then also how you plan your marketing and your distribution at the end, what you're going to do with your film. And, you know, then I just started to look at like, is there a way just to distill this and make it really simple and actionable so other people could just go, boom, okay, now I do this, now I do that. Because one of the hardest things I think for filmmakers starting out is this, you know, you want to make a movie and then you feel completely overwhelmed because there is so much to do and so much to think about. Uh, so the 16 steps really evolve from just thinking, what would I break down to just go, okay, right now you just have to do this. You don't think, you don't need to think ahead, just do this one step. Now cross it off the list, move to the next one, you know? Mm -hmm. And, why 16? I cannot say why there's 16 and not 15 or, you know, these seem to me like to be the most essential things and things that I really wanted to highlight as things that I think are very important if you're going to make a successful film. And really like my aim with what I teach and what I've written about in the book, you know, it's not just making a movie. Like I feel like everyone can make a movie. That's not really a challenge. What is a challenge is to make one that has a real shot at standing out. And that's the focus of the book. It's like, okay, what do you need to do at each step to really give yourself the best chance of succeeding at making a movie? And your steps, I just want people to know that your steps start from literally the beginning. Step one, develop a singular script and you go right up to execute your distribution plan. I just want people to understand that as you're talking about these steps. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, if you're if you're sitting and you're planning to make a film, that's where you go from. You start with a script and you go to getting it out in the world. Um, and so this just breaks down that process in a way that it's actionable and realistic because everything that's in it is based on real life experience. There's nothing that's like theory. I felt sort of. There's a lot of um, information out there, which is sort of how to make a film in the conventional way, which is always kind of highfalutin and, you know, get name cast and do foreign pre-sales and whatever. And for a lot of people, that's just not accessible and not real for the first movie that they're going to make. Um, on the other hand, there's a lot of information about sort of guerrilla type filmmaking, you know, how to make a movie for nothing, uh, which I don't, you know, which I, I think is amazing, but I don't think it necessarily gives you the best chance at succeeding at filmmaking. Um, so what I'm, you know, the information here is really like somewhere in the middle between those two, like it's a realistic, actionable plan for people anywhere. You don't need connections to the industry. You don't need millions of dollars. You just need to like follow these steps and you can make a movie that really has a shot to stand out. And it really does take you from, uh, from the script right through to, to distribution. Um, yeah. And it's a little eccentric. I think some of the steps people would probably be a little bit surprised by. They're not necessarily what you would learn in film school. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. And I wanted to talk to you about that. Your, your checklists have, um, they're all actionable, but they're, they're like something you'd learn in film school, but here's something you don't learn in film school. And this is the part I was talking to Jeffrey earlier about. I love how in every checklist you have, be grateful for the journey you're on. And, and then it'll and celebrate that you've got a brilliant script or whatever. I love that. You don't see that ever. Well, I think, I mean, I think, you know, one of the keys to making a successful film is to absolutely love the process of filmmaking, not to be focused on the result of it. And it's so easy to get caught up in sort of like worrying about the result and being fearful and thinking about, you know, how you're going to make money with it or how you're going to sell it or how you're going to get into a big festival. And I go instead, like just like bringing yourself back constantly to where you are in the process and loving where you are and being grateful because it's a joyful, amazing process. You're making a movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know, people can make it into a stress party somehow filmmaking. And I'm like, it shouldn't be like that because you're making 
making a film. This is like the coolest, best thing. And it's the most creative thing. And it's awesome. And creativity to me is joyfulness and it's playfulness. And it should be playful and fun and amazing. And I think if you make it a film in that spirit, you give it a much better chance of succeeding than if you're making a film and you're constantly stressed and you're constantly worried and you're constantly thinking about the results. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like how you say thank your actors, all of them. Uh, A lot of times when we see the indie films, um, it's like, I'm the star, I'm the director, I'm the, you know, whatever. And you're just an actor. You know, you get that treatment. That just, that makes me crazy. I mean, just hearing that just breaks my heart. Can can you talk about that a little bit? Your experience with that? The films that I've made, I, I am so grateful to everybody who works on them with me. And I... As much as I can, I think I give it away, you know, like the film, like it's their film too. It's not just my film, even though it's my idea. And the three films I've made are films that I've written the scripts to as well as directed. But they wouldn't exist without the participation of all these people. Uh, and it's the actors as well as the crew, because crew as well, I'm just like in awe of, you know, the the skills that they have, the talent that they bring to your set. I mean, it's just mind blowing. But actors in particular for me, I just I'm so in awe of what they do. I think it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. And, you know, the really good ones make it look incredibly easy. It is not easy what actors do, you know, and if they're really going to bring great performances for you, I just feel you have to create a situation of like total trust and openness with them, you know, Mm -hmm. like a really, really strong connection. And that starts by, you know, just showing that you really honor and appreciate what they do and making sure that you do everything you can to create a space for them to, to access very deep places and create magic for you. And that's, what's going to make your movie stand out again. Like my, my thing always is like, a good movie, like there's not, there's not one movie in the world that you consider to be good that has bad acting in it. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. there are a lot of movies that you might absolutely love that don't have great sound or that don't have the best cinema, you know, cinematography or you know, like those things can actually be subpar, and you'll still, and you can still work out with a great movie. And there's a number of examples I have from you know movies that I've loved over the years that I'm like, yeah, like th- technically they're not always perfect, but the the performances are totally key. You know, Mm -hmm. if you get great performances, you will have a compelling movie. One thing I like about your book is that you, um, in every chapter, you talk about the conventional way of doing things, and then you talk about the rebel way of doing things. And and you're speaking to people that are, um, you know, um, not so much following the Hollywood path. Uh, Correct. Yeah. So where did where did that come from? Why did you decide to take that approach? You know, it's my own experience. Um, Making my first movie, I made it so far off the grid. Uh, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I'd been working as a screenwriter, and I just uh, had had reached that moment that many screenwriters reach in Hollywood, where three projects that were all set up and ready to go fell apart in the space of one month, you know, for reasons completely outside of my control. And, um, you know, and I was just sitting there, I was so sure these three movies were going to happen and they all just, you know, died overnight. And so at that point, I really just felt like I just want to make some, like I, you know, being a screenwriter is great, but unless something gets made, it's kind of academic. So I was really just like, I just want to see something up on the screen. So I wrote a film that I could do myself and that was Obsolidia. And it became my first film. And I just made it completely like I defied so many of the rules of what you're meant to do as a you know, first time filmmaker, right down to 
turning down, you know, a, an actress who wanted to play the lead part and whose manager said she would bring $500,000 to the movie. And she was a well-known, you know, she was like in the top 100 on the star meter on IMDb. And I, I turned her down and cast my best friend instead. <laughs> you know? Good for okay. you. So like, I'm talking about wildly like defying sort of like conventional wisdom. Yeah. And you know, the result of that, and you know, the whole time though, I was just completely focused on, you know, making the film that I wanted to make and just trusting my intuitions and, and loving the process of it. And so if something didn't feel right, I just didn't do it, even if that was absolutely what everybody said I should do. And, you know, people with a lot more experience than I. So the result of that film, that result of that was the film Obsolidia, which did get into Sundance, which is unbelievable. I had no contacts there. There's no names in the movie. The movie was made for $140,000. Um, it played in the uh, main competition. So it was up against movies, you know, there are... Uh, like a hundred times our budget yeah, <laughs> and it won two awards, okay. you know, and out of that, and it ended up getting nominated for independent spirit awards and it played at festivals around the world. And, you know, and it just kind of like, it was like, wow, like, you know, I broke all these rules and did all these things in this way that people kept saying to me, you can't do this. You know, you're crazy. You can't do this. But by trusting my intuition, I actually made a film that did seem to connect with certain people. Uh, after that, I went down a much more conventional route, you know, because coming out of Sundance, of course, I, I I got a new manager, like everything sort of changed in some ways. And I started listening to the conventions and I felt like, you know, when I had the script shortly after that, that I really wanted to do and people said, no, you need to make something bigger. I listened to them. And when the result of that was I didn't make a movie, another movie for five years. And when I did make another movie, which was uh, Bleeding Heart, which stars Jessica Biel and Zasha Mamet, it's a kind of uh, drama. Uh, it was a really tough and unfulfilling experience. Mm -hmm. You know, it was not a happy experience making that movie. And the movie has, you know, it's got some lovely things about it. It's got some things that, you know, like that don't thrill me. But the net result was a film that, you know, it, it was just a horrible experience to make it. And that was the, you know, that was the germ really of making or the seed of making of writing this book. And out of, out of that experience, I just felt there's a way to make movies, which is not conventional. Mm -hmm. There's an approach, which is so far from what we're taught and told we must do in order to succeed in this business. I've experienced it. And actually, you know, this is what I want to share. You know, people lock into this idea that there is a correct way to do things there's not. There's a million ways to do it. And actually, the number one thing that I would say if you're going to succeed at making a movie that stands out is you have to make something you love. You know, and you absolutely have to love it every day. You know? mm -hmm. If you make a movie that you want to see, right, you know, and that you genuinely want to see and you love and, and every choice you make in your filmmaking journey is based on that, uh, you really have a shot at making something great. If you're making a movie, though, and every day what you're thinking about is how do we please other people? How do we, you know, fulfill audience expectations? How do we make something that distributors will love? You know, you're shooting yourself in the foot from the day one. How do you think it would uh, have been if had you made Bleeding Heart uh, first and had the bad experience? Do you think you would have continued making films? I don't think I ever would have made a film again. I mean, even during that, like, uh, you know, there was many times I just thought, like, if this is filmmaking, 
you know, stuff it. <laughs> There's better things to do with my time on planet Earth, you know? Uh-huh. Like, you know, um, for me, the result, you know, it, 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 the process itself should be fulfilling or it's really not worth it. I'm not, I'm, you know, and I realize I'm not, there's means and ends people, right? There's people who are for whom the ends are worth the means no matter what, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just not one of those people. And it's recognizing for yourself who you are and what you are. I think filmmaking, it really is true. It's kind of like, you know, having a baby and the people that you work with, your producers, you know, the producer director's relationship, for instance, you know, you're like the couple and everyone over a certain age knows you really are better to be single and not have a baby than be in a really crummy marriage (laughs) (laughs) and, and like, and, and, and do one, you know, like you're you're just better to be single and just wait, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that was my big lesson from that. And it's not to say that the people I worked with weren't great people. And I'm sure with other filmmakers are fantastic. We just shouldn't have been making a film together. You know, we weren't the right fit. How was your experience with your third feature uh, of Dust and Bones, which is still doing the festival circuit as we speak? It's on the festival circuit right now. Yeah, it's going to be playing at Port Townsend in September, which is wonderful. Um, It's a really challenging film. It's an interesting, I mean, you make a film like that and that film for me was like a real healing process from the one before mm-hmm. i just i wanted to explore certain things as a filmmaker uh that i hadn't been able to before and it's it's a very i i know the film is just very challenging so it was an incredibly satisfying experience to make it it was a very satisfying experience diane stay right there uh, we're gonna take a quick break and uh when we come back we want to talk to diane about Finding that line producer, getting her advice on how to get a line producer involved in your early production. That's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at, creating suspense with a camera. For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch 20. Okay, welcome back. We are talking with Diane Bell, the author of Shoot from the Heart, Successful Filmmaking from a Sundance Rebel. And uh, Diane, I wanted to ask you about uh, finding a line producer, um, because this is something that uh, I think a lot of filmmakers, probably a lot listening to this podcast, this is territory that is is kind of scary. Finding a line producer is actually the third step that I recommend in the process. Mm-hmm. And it's really after you get a script and you have also set a start date for yourself, you've figured out when you want to start shooting your film, they, I suggest you find a line producer so that they can make a budget and schedule for you. Um, because you really can't progress and you can't go raise finance until you know exactly how much money you need, how you're going to spend it, you know, like how the film is going to be made for that amount of money and done well. So the person that you need to do that to make a budget and schedule is a line producer, and that's what they do. Um, 
the way that I found one when I made Obsolidia, and it just cracks everybody up and freaks them out, is I put an ad on Craigslist. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's so funny the way people respond to that. They think, oh, my God, you're kidding me, you know. But I yeah. did. I just, you know, I put an ad on Craigslist. And I actually, I think uh, in the book I share the exact wording of my ad because I was very precise about the kind of film that I was making. And also what I was offering, because it's one situation in which I ask people to work for a deferred payment. I generally try to pay everybody up front and everybody who works on my movies gets paid. But this is one situation where I say, you know, like, can you make me the budget and schedule like for free right now? But you'll get paid once we raise the money. And it's an act of faith from them. But I've written a whole script as an act of faith. So, you know, they need to pony up to Um <laughs> So finding a line producer for me, as I say, I have I have done it by putting an ad on Craigslist. And through that, I met I got like 50 responses. I was living in L.A. at the time. Wow. So I got like 50 responses to that ad. And off them, I met like 15 people. And one of the interesting things, I think, is that, you know, everyone in our industry always thinks like the people you should um, bring into your film are the people who have the most experience, you know, like check their credits and, you know, if they've done big movies and it's kind of like how we validate ourselves as filmmakers. We're always going, you know, I'm working with such and such who did blah, 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 you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. this TV show, or they did this, you know, and this is how we validate ourselves. And people are very unwilling just to take risks. I think also in, in that sense, you know, of like, yeah, I'm going to do it with this guy who's done one movie for a hundred thousand dollars before, but who I think is amazing. And I just go like, when you are getting your people together and this is going to be your tribe who are going to make your movie with you, it's kind of like forming a rock and roll band, you know, <laughs> like if you're forming a rock and roll band, do you go and get the most experienced musician? Like, Oh, uh, you know, the guy who's done all the classes and he's like graduated from, you know, some fancy music school. No, you get your friend who is like totally passionate about the same music as you, who is so much fun to be with. You just love being with them, who has like some skills, but, you know, who's just like energy, who's got the right energy for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I say to you when you're like looking for a line producer. I'm like, you know, find somebody who's probably done like it would be ideal if they have done at least one movie budgeted and scheduled one movie that has been made for the amount of money that you're thinking of raising. That would be ideal. But even if they haven't, if all they've done is like, you know, uh, music videos and short films, but they do know the cost of things. They do understand filmmaking. And you just, they love your movie. They're so into it. They're so excited by it. You two together just get on and just inspire each other. That's the person to do it with. Often people who have a lot of experience, and I've found this particularly with line producers, like once they've done a few bigger movies, forget it. You know, if you want them now to budget a movie for $150,000, they have no idea how to do it. And they will keep telling you, no, it can't be done. And that is like the most deadening thing ever. And it's just what you want to avoid. You want the can-do person who's just like, of course it can be done. And I think in this way, often inexperience is actually a bonus. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> because, you know, like once you've been around the block a few times, like, no, you can't do it for that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You know, it's, it's going to kill your project before you've even got started. So I just go like, find someone. It doesn't need to be someone with tons of experience. Mostly, and I get all the time filmmakers coming to me saying, yeah, I, I got my budget back. And they said, I can't do it for less than a million dollars or two million dollars or something. And I'm like, 
it's not true. Like if you're doing a contemporary drama or comedy and it's not, you know, granted, if you're doing period or it's like science, like some mad science fiction thing or whatever, you're going to need a bigger budget. But contemporary dramas or comedies you can do for very little money. And if your line producer is telling you otherwise, you need to find somebody else, mm -hmm. you know. Um, obviously there are other ways like I go like you know connecting with filmmakers through film festivals connecting with filmmakers you know the local film school looking for local films um, like emerging filmmakers screenings and finding out who's working on those I mean these are all legitimate ways to sort of track down people who are who are line producers impossible for you but once you start meeting people I go go with the person who you connect with Mm -hmm. And then you also said that line producers, oftentimes they know investors too. Some yeah. do, some don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, you know, like always, like, I mean, everybody that gets involved, you know, you're sort of like, Hey, by the way, do you have any rich relatives? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, yeah. Um, you might, you might get lucky on that phone, but I don't think it's a reason to bring anyone on, you know, like, yeah. or not to bring someone on like, you know, you, you pull together your team based on, you know, the fact that you really all love the movie you're going to work on and you all believe in it and you all think you can really make something special because that's the energy you need to, to make something that's going to break out. And what about star attachments? Is that something that's necessary or um, is that something we should try to avoid? It's neither. It's like, it, it totally depends. Obviously, if your budget is over sort of, I, I would say over 500,000, you have to have name attached to it to have any hope of making your money back. I would totally uphold that. But for a very small amount of money, no, I don't think it's necessary, you know? And I think sometimes like the wrong star is worse than having someone who's totally new. Um, you know, PR people will tell you like actually having a breakout performance by someone who's pretty unknown is generally more exciting than, you know, somebody who's just plugging away doing what they do. If you get a, like a, an amazing performance by someone, you know, that no one's heard of, it's exciting, you know? So like my number one thing with casting is make sure one, the person is totally right for that part and two, that they're totally committed, you know? And it's those two things that matter more than anything, more than how many Twitter followers they have or, you know, whether they have a YouTube channel or whatever, you know, like I just think, oh, like I, I just think that's all hooey, it's noise. You know, you're focused on making a great film. And again and again, we have examples of small indie movies with just like breakout performances by people that we've never heard of before, you know? So take the risk. Go with somebody that's unknown if they're absolutely right for your movie. And um, if you do want a star attachment, which comes first? Do you need to have the money in place before you even approach an agent? Or do you start approaching the agent? It's a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Like everybody knows who's gone down that route, um, you know, like unless you make a firm offer to uh, certain actors, they will not look at your scripts, you know, but you're trying to get them on board so that you can get the money, you know, um, uh, it, like I would advise if you're going down that path, there are certain actors who obviously who will not look at your script without an offer. So you would need money uh, to back you up. You know, I recommend people if you're really um, like you're like, we want to attach certain name talent. Number one, I think it's really worth raising some money then to hire a good casting director, you know, mm. because I think a good casting director is worth their weight in gold and will, they know the agents, they know, and so they can get firsthand, like, is it worth even going after this person or not? You know, so you don't waste time because really you can spend 
years going down that casting rabbit hole if you're trying to cast name talent, as I'm sure you're both aware. Um, you know, and it's that thing of, you know, sending the script. Oh, well, maybe they're interested, you know, whatever. And it's like six months pass by. So I just go like, you know, if you're serious about going down that route, I think like investing uh, some money in a really great casting agent is is a worthwhile thing because they can they can bypass a lot of that waste time wasting and get down to who would really be up for doing this kind of movie for this kind of money. And uh, last week we had uh, John Tregonis, uh, which is the, uh, you know, the expert in crowdfunding for filmmakers. Um, what's your opinion on crowdfunding? Crowdfunding is one of my steps. In the in the sixteen steps in the book, uh, I think it's absolutely essential, and I think it's wonderful. You know, <laughs> I think there's something like really amazing about it in so many ways. The, when I first started making films, you know, like I I thought about the crowdfunding option and I shied away from it. I was just like, oh, I don't want to beg my friends for money. You know, mm. <laughs> that was my mindset about it. I was like, oh, I can't do that. Just, just that would be shameful. You know, fast forward a few years. And of course, like in the interim, like Spike Lee crowdfunds, you know, like everyone's crowdfunding. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, you know, and I start to really rethink, like, what is crowdfunding and what is this about? And, you know, I sort of realized as an artist, like if you want to be independent, you want to make the movies you want to make, like you have to take some responsibility for that. And part of that is just like being willing to take those kinds of risks, making yourself vulnerable and going out and saying, will you guys support this movie? And that's kind of what crowdfunding is. It is like you do feel very vulnerable. But I like I think it's, I mean, for me, I raised $35,000 for my third film through crowdfunding. I crowdfunded on Seed and Spark, which is an amazing platform for filmmakers. And it was an incredible experience. I mean, it was intense. It's, I, have either of you crowdfunded before? Yes, I Jeff, did. Jeffrey and, has uh, it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is intense. Yes, very intense. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't expect it to be as sort of like emotional as it was. <laughs> you know, because I just felt like very, you know, when I started the campaign, I just felt very vulnerable. You know, like you're just standing there saying, hey, guys, I'm looking for this money. Will you support me? Um, but it's also really humbling and it's really beautiful because you realize and, you know, it's this paradigm shift that can happen in your head where instead of me begging for money or asking for money, I'm offering people the chance to be involved and something that is really magical. We're making a movie and I'm offering you the chance to be a part of it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like what I got from a lot of people was I'm so glad, I'm so happy to be a part of this, you know? And it's the same, I get this also from investors, you know, you sort of like in your mind, you can be locked into, oh my gosh, okay, I have to like work myself up to ask someone for money. But then you ask them and you realize what you're offering them is something great. Like you're offering them a once in a lifetime experience, you know, to be a part of making one particular film that will never be made again. And you could actually get money from so many sources. There's so much money out there and there's just, you know, but they only have this one chance to be involved with your film and to be able to say, I was part of that. You know, I, I funded that. And that's the same, you know, for crowdfunding. So I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think the energy that it brings to your project when you feel like, you know, like all these people, you know, putting in their dollars to, to step up behind it. It's a magical thing. Um, as some people say, it's not so much about the funding. It is about the crowd. Uh, I think that's true. I think nowadays, you know, the more that you can get many people invested in your film, the better it is for it in the long run. So, but the funding is nice too. 
you know, to get money. And especially, you know, I think every filmmaker, anyone who's raised money for a movie knows the first part of money is, you know, the hardest to get. Once you get one investor in, you know, you can start to, like it starts to roll. Mm-hmm. And so crowdfunding really offers you a fantastic way to get that first part of money in, you know, because then you can you can set up your LLC. You can do a whole bunch of different things with that first chunk of money. And, you know, if you wanted, you could hire a casting director. You can, you know, you can shoot your teaser trailer. You can do all these different things because you have a little bit of finance and and make it happen. And also when you go to investors and you say, we've already raised this, you know, it shows them that, you know, there is a crowd. There are people who want to see this movie and that you also you know, you're proactive. You're not just sitting around waiting for someone to, to make it happen for you. You're making it happen. That's what indie filmmaking is all about. What and I think the more this is the thing, like that sort of like community, the more that we help each other, the more it comes back for you as well, you know? And I just like, I think the old model of sort of competitiveness and scarcity, it's just, you know, it's just not yeah. interesting mm-hmm. and it's dead. I feel like the more that everybody supports each other and helps each other, the better we all do. You should plug your book, by the way, um, where to get it. It's it, It'll be out in, uh, well, it's September right now, but in October it's coming out, correct? Yeah, it's it's in bookstores from October 1st. It's already available for pre-order on Amazon. Ooh. I'm absolutely thrilled. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's super exciting. I can't believe I have a book coming out. I mean, it's, it's really like, it's almost as exciting. It's maybe even more exciting than having a movie coming out. It, it's got to be exciting. To have this book coming out, and I think this one, you know, it's so positive. That's what I noticed right off the bat. It, it's it's not so much about filmmaking. It is about filmmaking, but it's about the proper attitude to have to make a film. So true. And and yes. I, and I love that about it. And and uh, well, I think it's going to help a lot of folks. I think, like you know, my thing in life, and I've realized this. If I do something that I think is really hard and I actually achieve it, mm-hmm. my immediate response is I want to like I just want to shout to everyone, you can do it too. Right. <laughs> That's what this book does. I get really excited, you know. So for me, like, I mean, when my movie got in Sundance, I'm like, holy, I mean, no way, right? You yeah. Know? And then I go, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Like it's so true. You know, I, I like I'm from Scotland for heaven's sake. Like, I mean, for me growing up, I mean, even into, you know. Like through my twenties, that would have seemed so far fetched to me. Yeah, to go to Hollywood and make a film, or to yeah. go to California, yeah, so far fetched. And I did it, you know. And I just go, look, if I can do it, you can too. And I see lots of people, lots of filmmakers, people that want to make films, mm-hmm. you know, really getting stuck. And often it's like fear that's blocking them, you know. It's fear of like. Oh, maybe my film wouldn't be any good. I don't know. Like maybe I, you know, and that's why I like, I need to get this. I need $5 million. I need name cast. I need, you know, all these things. And my thing is just like, just make movies. If you want to make movies, make movies. Like don't talk about it. Don't spend years trying to raise $5 million. Just get out there and make them, you know, and maybe make a bad one or two. It's fine. It's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. like who said you have to knock it out of the park the first time, you know, like the only way you're going to get good at this is by doing it. You know, and here's how you can do it, you know, and do it again and again. Like, so set yourself up so that you're not, you haven't like bankrupted yourself first time around. I've met people who've done that. I'm sure you have too, Mm -hmm. filmmakers who have like mortgaged their house and then it doesn't work out. 
you know, and I'm just like, no, there's a way to do this that you can just keep doing it and keep getting better at your craft and enjoy your life and have a fantastic time making movies. That seems to be uh, something people will do. I can't do it. They set up the hurdles. Yeah. At the beginning of the book, I think I say, um, you know, this is the end of your excuses, you know, because we can all come up with all these excuses of why we're not doing it. Um, you know, and, and giving away our power. And I think as filmmakers, this is a big thing. And I've seen, I know a lot of people in LA who they want to make movies and they get into that situation of they're always thinking that they have to get the validation of somebody else. You know, they have to get greenlit by somebody else. You know, they're in that waiting, holding pattern constantly of, well, now the script's gone to such and such an actor, or it's gone to such and such a company, or it's gone to such and such. And, you know, and there's always a carrot dangling in front of them that keeps them jumping through more hoops. But literally years go by and they haven't made that movie. And I know a few people, and it's just heartbreaking. You know, it's been like, Five years, 10 years, still haven't made the movie, you know? And by then they've forgotten why they wanted to make that movie in the first place. And they're so jaded and sort of cynical and bitter. And, you know, and it's like 10 years that they could have actually just been making movies if they had just like, you know, taken the steps to take the power into their own hands and made the movie, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, instead of waiting for this ideal situation to appear, you know, or instead of waiting for somebody else, you know, if you, if you're waiting for somebody else to give you permission to make a movie, you could wait your whole life. Diane Bell, author of Shoot from the Heart, successful filmmaking from a Sundance rebel. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun talking with you guys. Thank really. you, Diane. And I love your podcast. So thank you. It's been an honor. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, and if anybody wants to listen to some of our older episodes, yes. you know, like they do on YouTube, I'm pointing up or down. But <laughs> yes. even the, they're right there. I'm, I'm pointing down or up because I think you're supposed to do that. I don't know. Anyhow, so scroll you, down, yeah. scroll down and look at the previous episodes because they are just as good, if not better than this one. Roll eyes. I saw that. <laughs> I saw the listener just roll their eyes. The Get Real Indie Filmcast is a production of Borges Networks, 2018.